hosts, Joe Bees and Guy Lee Munch. All right, here we are, episode 17. Yep. I'm, I'm positive you, on this You're keeping track now? <laughs> Not really keeping you, track. Somebody has to. Every other it, time I've been like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. I, <laughs> this time I'm definitely... Not is. great. With <laughs> I think it's because we had because everybody was sharing it and stuff. Oh, yeah. We made people share it. So, so I, that, think, yeah. I think All that's right. why I was positive. Yeah, I'm with you on that. How was your weekend? Pretty good. I mean, I worked third all weekend, but playing ball or doing anything. I did go up to Lockport near Buffalo and play softball on Saturday. But I had member guests this weekend. My first ever member guest. I at Conawanga. Yeah, ever anywhere. I've never played. It was at, but it was it was at at Conawanga. Yeah, I brought Kyle Gray, my coworker. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was insanely fun. Like I had just it was a little blurry, but we. so we were in it up until the end of our flight. Our last match was against California and Tanner Bechtel, and we were chasing two points on them, and they ended up beating us because we were giving them strokes because of Kyle's handicap. And uh, they, But the cool thing was uh, they ended up going to the shootout and took second, so that bumps them up to runner-up, which put us first in the flight, so I won some money. Nice. So that was pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, no, it was just the whole atmosphere was fun. Uh, the shootout is really cool because everybody follows in carts and watches everybody's shots. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have decided that if I ever make a shootout, because the club pro was on the megaphone saying, uh, everybody, you know, be quiet. He's about mm-hmm. to shoot. He, like, announces who's up and then says quiet down to the crowd. I want the opposite. If I ever get in a shootout, like I'm going to tell Club Pro over the megaphone, tell them, make some noise. Like I want yelling, screaming, all of it. I think that'd be way more fun. Like it's just, I think it'd be cool. But, uh, and I told a couple people that, that I want, I want that. And they were like, you'd be a crowd favorite if you did do that. People love that shit. So that's my goal. My new golf goal is to make a shootout, which I'm going to have to have a really good partner because I'm not great, but I'm going to make a shootout. And I want the crowd to go crazy. So getting on to some uh, pro sports. Tampa Bay. So Kylie called this. When was this? Unpopular opinion? Uh, yeah, because somebody, yeah. Cause somebody yeah. Said okay. yeah cause Hammerbe- Hammerbeck said the Steelers were title town. And you said no. <laughs> I said, well, there might be a new one on the way. Tampa yeah. Bay. And they just got a cup. So now yeah. two championships. Two out of three now. Right. So and they if, only have three. So where, where's the Rays at in uh, the East? Uh, I think they're be. I think they're in second. I think the Red Sox have been on fire. The Red Sox have been on fire. They're yeah. tied for with Houston for the best record in the AL right now. Yeah, I think and I think surprisingly the San Francisco Giants have the best record in baseball. I think I saw. They're pretty tough. Pretty wild. Yeah. yeah. So Tampa Bay's title town. Stanley Cup's over. I don't know if it, how many people, according to Clay Hash, nobody cares. <laughs> unpopular <laughs> so, opinion. Unpopular yeah. opinion. It's uh, a fun segment. Uh, NBA, Suns are up 2 1. They play tonight, probably, because they had a couple days off. I think they took an extra day because the All Star game or something. Yeah, it's it really way. weird, actually. They, there's like three days off between every game, except for between game six and seven, if it gets there. There's only two days off. That's weird. <laughs> That's well, load management. You know those NBA players, man. They just need rest. <laughs> yeah, just ask. They're LeBron. overworked. Yeah, yeah. LeBron. That's will why tell everybody's you. getting hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Okay. 
Uh, the All-Star game. Oh, wait, no, hold on. Before we get to the All-Star game, we're going to go over uh, what Manfred, what do you say, potential. So some potential rule changes. Yeah, he was like in an interview and he brought up these things that he wants to bring up in the offseason. So we're going to list them. There's four. I'll read them and then we shall discuss. Uh, the very first one is banning or limiting defensive shifts. The second one, elimination of seven-inning doubleheaders. Third is elimination of starting extra innings with a man on second base. And the last one is possibly extend the DH to the National League. So, discuss. We'll start with the first one. Banning or limiting defensive shifts, hard no. Yeah, we talked about this. We talked unpopular, unpopular opinion. opinion. All like yeah. almost all of these are in the unpopular opinion segment yeah. in one capacity or another. Yeah, and I think I talked about this before the unpopular opinion. I think I talked about the seven inning thing. I said that was my least, probably my least favorite. The seven inning double headers rule of the yeah because the COVID we talked rule. about the See, COVID rules. We talked about the yeah, extra and I thought that was only a COVID rule. But if they're right, that's what you, when I brought it up, that's what you told me. And I wasn't positive. I didn't know, but I was hoping that you were right about that. Um, but yeah, I hate, I hate that. I hated that more than the extra inning. Seven inning double headers is stupid. Yeah. I would rather keep the guy on second base if there was one or the other for extra innings. You like, like that? I don't necessarily like it, but I'm, oh, I'm more okay with that. I would than- like to see what the splits are. For home and away victories of extra inning games. If because it, if I'm a coach, and I don't know why none of these guys are doing this, but like very rarely have I seen any of them play any type of small ball and just, hey, sacrifice an out and get that guy to third. That's all you have to do. Uh, I would do I've that. seen it. I've seen it happen, but yeah. it's not every, like, I would do no, that not right, every right off the get go. But I've, yeah, well, I think that if a team. I, I think if a team's starting off, like if you're in the top of the 10th, it's less likely to happen. But why? But, but if, if the other team scores one run and then... So you think if, in the in top... One or or no runs, then the other team very often does bump. They do? I've... Okay. Almost every time that I've seen... So you think the top half, the away team doesn't do it because they're not trying just for that one. They'd like to play it a couple because they know that guy's starting on second... Already. I think they were playing the. They're playing the odds that that guy's going to score anyway. Okay. M- most likely, and they, I got it. they could probably get maybe get two runs. It seems like it seems there's probably an analytical thing there. I would imagine. I would think baseball's all analytics. Analytics, but but I I guess for regular season I'm okay with that way more than the seven the seven inning I, double headers I hate. And then. We're both team ban the DH, right? Yes. Yeah. So extending it to the National League, no. Don't do it. Get rid of it in the AL. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, get rid of it in the AL. Reverse of that. Yeah, because make these guys, if they want to, if you're only just a great hitter, and I mean, the Astros are pretty guilty of this with uh, Jordan Alvarez. He played in the outfield uh, right before the All Star break in a game, and the announcers were like making a huge thing of it. They're like, "Let's see what," <laughs> like because they haven't seen him. His knees are terrible, but he hits the shit out of the ball. Nelson Cruz, yeah, prime example. Yeah. I mean, and some of these guys who Stanton get later, yeah, yeah, but so, even some of these guys who get later into their career, and then even if they're a National League position player, they'll sign with an AL team. 
because they know they're just going to be hitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's junk. Hot yeah, garbage. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Don't like it. So, the All-Star game. American League wins 5-2. Did you watch any, most, all of it? I watched very little. What did I do I last watched night? Probably, oh, I watched probably half of it. And last I night, I was working. But. I had a uh, scramble league, and we ended up getting rained out. But when I came home, I bought a Blackstone, and I just want to cook all the time now. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, that's pretty sweet. So that's what I did, and I did not turn the game on. I I, I watched it, and it was it was 5-2, to two, but twice in like the last three innings, the National League had the bases loaded, and it was like, pretty high it was like good it was fun i good energy i thought it was a good game yeah uh i did see vlad's glove the glove he was wearing while he's playing there was a few yeah there was a couple pitchers that were so if you haven't seen it the glove that vlad guerrero jr was wearing was a picture of him and his dad while his dad was at an all-star game right he's like holding his hand walking him across the field or something Mm -hmm. it was badass and then he had a Big bomb, didn't he? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Otani sat down the NL in one, two, three, right? Mm-hmm. And touched 100 on one of his pitches, I saw. Uh, so to, to touch on Otani a little bit more, what I wanted to bring up was if uh, you're on the Facebook page, you saw the post. I don't even remember when I put it up. It was a couple weeks ago, I think. Uh, where it showed a picture of Stephen A., Max Kellerman, uh, was it Nick Wright? Is that the anti-Josh Allen guy, Nick Wright? Yeah. Uh, Coward. There's a few of them on there anyways, and it said if you could get rid of one, who would you get rid of? Uh, I picked Kellerman because I hate Kellerman. Uh, But Stephen A. was obviously a popular one. And Stephen A. put out a quote just a few days ago where he was talking about the state of baseball. And the quote is, I don't think it helps that the number one face is a dude that needs an interpreter so you can understand what he's even saying. So Stephen A just doesn't give a fuck about the stop Asian hate movement and just says some crazy shit like that and nobody bats an eye. It's all good. Stephen A. And you you had said he does say like off the wall crazy shit because he wants the reaction. He gets paid the same no matter what. If he agreed with everybody or said, you know, but that's a, to me, that's a super fucked up thing to say. Like you're talking, I don't know. (laughs) I just could not believe when I read that, I was like, it's no way this is real. And it is, it was. And Stephen A just, you know, still has a job somehow, even though probably shouldn't. So back to the all-star game, uh, Obviously, you said there were some high tense moments. It seemed pretty competitive. That's a good thing. They, it was very cool. They they a lot of guys were wearing mics and stuff, so they were like talking to them while they were on the field and stuff. And I like, saw Freddie on field interviews and, yeah. during the game. And but then in the last inning, um, Liam Hendricks he closed out the game for the AL. He had a mic on. He was the only pitcher that wore one, and um, but. He either was blocking them out because he was very focused, or he couldn't he, he or he couldn't hear them, but they could hear him. And he, I think he might have forgot he had a mic on. Did he say some cool <laughs> he, shit. Well, he was he, he's 
he spiked some pitches and he dropped the f bomb every time he spiked the pitch <laughs> hard. <laughs> Mother effort got in just like every time, and it was and he was very he was very intense though, and like it was it was funny though, and I was like this was a bad idea to put a mic on a pitcher. <laughs> I saw the uh, Freddie Freeman video where he was mic'd up and he stood next to Aaron Judge, and when he told Judge that he was mic'd up, Judge just like wouldn't say anything. <laughs> Like just nothing, and they they even like so bad that they cut the video. There's nothing to show. So, yeah, I don't think, yeah, too many of those guys like that, you know, because you're out yeah, there. It's like if I had to wear one, like not out on a call, but if I was like walking around the station and I was mic'd up, there'd be a lot of expletives. I think it would be very hard as a pitcher if you're like an outfielder with a ball. You know what I mean? The ball. right. Then I don't think it's as big yeah. of a deal. You're not as invested in every pitch right. as the actual as, guy throwing the ball. As a catcher or pitcher, it would be tough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> catcher, yeah. But a catcher, that'd be awesome, too, because just to hear the shit that they're talking. Like, even when they turn around and say something to the ump, like, you know they're saying, like, was that out? Was that outside? Was it, you know, was that low? The other thing they had, which I thought was really cool, was they had the the dugout the bullpen phones calling to the bullpen. They had the, they had Mike, oh, Mike. So they could, so that was cool. Like you, Kevin cash called and like told him, he talked to him. He said, Hey, make sure he's ready for the next batter and stuff. And like, okay. And it was kind of cool. So to, to hear it was kind of cool to hear those interactions. Because you, you never see do. it. Right. You're always like, how does that go a little bit? Yeah. You know I mean? Like what's the conversation? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, that is, that's true. So we did a post. Was it yesterday? I put it up about the, I think it was, uh, about the Pro Bowl All-Star Game, what would we as fans like to see change in that regard to make them more competitive or, uh, you know, whatever. So, had some good comments, some good thoughts on that. So, we're going to get through, we're going to go through some of those. Uh, Steve commented that regarding the Home Run Derby, that he didn't like the clock and he liked it better when there was a pitch count. I actually agree with that, too. Uh because then they're more committed to the pitches that are coming in. And and I just think, I don't know, the bonus ball and 30 seconds if you hit one, what, 475? I don't remember. 450? Four, is it 425? I think 425. I want yeah, 475 is a bomb. Yeah, I think it was four, I think yeah. it was 425, which was easy to do this year. But I know when it was in Cleveland two years ago, it was hard. Not many right. guys got it. But in Colorado. It was like every guy was getting it yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I just uh, – I, I actually agree with that. I liked it better. And I just found the other day I watched – I think it was the 96 Home Run Derby where it had like Bagwell, uh, Barry Bonds won it. But like the whole lineup, like McGuire, like it was like loaded mm -hmm. home run derby. And that's what they had was 10 pitches yeah. you make contact with. That, yeah. You cannot swing, but you make contact with 10 pitches. That's your that's what you get. And I kind of like that because, I don't know, I just felt like it was more less room for air. Yeah, I don't know. I personally like this way better. You like this one? I kind of I remember them both pretty well. I I don't know. I I think there's more action in this one and it. I don't know. I don't. I. I don't think that the other was bad. I think I a little bit prefer this. So one. what kind of uh, what kind of made me want to hear what other people had to say about this whole thing is uh, I watched a or I read an article because somebody shared it somewhere. I don't even remember where, but it was about Pete Rose mowing a dude over to plate the go ahead run in an All Star game. Mm -hmm. 
like ran the catcher over, mm -hmm. hurt his shoulder, and actually it ended up like ruining and kind of ruining his career a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you know that got me thinking like, when did the the kind of the care about this game go away? So I read some more into it and uh, why it was so more like so much more of a competition then was because the AL and the this is pre interleague play. So what people a lot of people think is that interleague play has watered down the all-star game because these aren't, these are guys who play each other, you know, mm -hmm. every, if you, uh, well, I don't, do they play every, I think they play every team every year, don't they? It's just a matter of I one series. It's every team. Every it's not year. every team. No, I can't, I'd have to look that up to see exactly what it is. But regardless, the point is that they're seeing each other now. Mm -hmm. yeah. And before the all-star game was, our league versus your league, two separate presidents, yeah. and we're going to beat you, and we're going to, you know, the American League has more talent. And then nobody saw each other again until the World Series. So a lot of people chalk up the watering down of this game to interleague play, which I can kind of agree with. And I, I don't know. I wouldn't hate it if interleague play didn't exist. I still think it'd be, it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. yeah. But uh, so that was a lot to to do with why uh kind of went with this and then of course there was uh pelly and brian lastman were talking about the winner of the all-star game determines home field advantage for the world series but that stopped in 2017 yep. and that's another thing i think they could bring back that would be yeah. more a lot of guys didn't like that but but they should it makes them care more less yeah, yeah i don't know because just because for the because for the the team that that ends up playing in the World Series, they don't have a big hand in right. They worked all well. I, I would imagine they kind of would because the team that's usually the teams that are usually in the World Series are usually the ones that are donating four or five or six players to the. It's, it's possible, maybe yeah. Sometimes I don't. I don't know that that's always true, but yeah, I mean it, it does happen. But the thing is, then if they play like one inning and then like you know what I mean. They don't sound like the guys get to play the whole game or anything either. Uh, Lass also said eliminate fan voting. I would, I could get on board with that too because that takes the popularity contest out of it mm -hmm. and brings it more to guys whose statistics truly, you know, deserve to put them in there. I don't know the numbers on things. Do you think back then? I mean, obviously, I think that there there's a money bonus for like I think and stuff. If you for the make the game. I think maybe maybe if, maybe just for making. I don't know if there is for winning or not. Yeah, or, I don't know. Or and if there used to be, I'd have. I guess that's something. There used to. I know there used to be for the Pro Bowl. Right. You make it, and then if you win the Pro Bowl, but that again is going back to when people I was gonna tried. Say, well, because I was going to say back then, though, those bonuses probably meant a lot more because people didn't make as much money. Right now they don't. Yeah, that makes sense. If, contracts, if that's a thing, yeah. Contracts are making it. To where people don't care more. Well, we know that too because when somebody, when people get are afraid to get hurt playing in the mm -hmm. Pro Bowl because they know that their contract they're about to sign is going to be worth way more than the right. $250,000 bonus check that they get for right. winning the game. Um, so that, yeah, clearly has. Uh, so here's a, let's see, we'll get to Coos. Coos thinks uh, it should just be votes and recognition and not a game at all for the Pro Bowl. Uh, 
And his suggestion is the game should be the NFC and AFC practice squad players making a full team to go head to head. So then you get a real game because these guys are are trying to make it. And it's worth risking injury to get in the spotlight. So uh, my thought is going to piggyback a little bit off of that. But we're going to get to that at the end after I, I go through a few more of these. Uh Ryan Klein, host of the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast, he says, have the two worst teams in the NFL play for the first pick in the draft and eliminate the Pro Bowl. There again, uh, guys who aren't going to be on that team next year aren't going to play. And if you're going for a QB, clearly, like, you know, I don't know, who's the two worst teams this year? Who had the first and second pick? Jacksonville and the Jets or something. Jets. So Gardner Minshew versus Sam Donald. Winner gets the better replacement, <laughs> right? It's it's a it's a good thought, but I don't think yeah it, I don't think it would work out. No, it wouldn't. But yes, good thought. The uh, Joe Colosimo says you can't. Nothing you can do will make either of them better. I and I think I messaged you this. I think I, I think I said to me. I think they just kind of are what they are, and I, I don't think we can ask for them to be much more. It's cool to see all the stars at once, and I think people always want to try to make everything better than it is. And it's just to me, I think they just are what they are. But I think a lot of people believe that these two games have regressed, and that's the thing. If it's what they were all along, then everybody would just know that's what I it think is. that. I would agree that the Pro Bowl definitely has because because what you said that when you messaged me about Sean tons Taylor, of, tons of people. Well, no, I was more more the the tons more people the past ten to fifteen years opt out and stuff. Right, almost nobody plays. You don't see that as much in the other three sports. They're in the middle of the season. Most yeah. of the most of the stars play. Yeah, and um, to me. It, just me personally, I'm not saying you're wrong or anything. I don't know their statistics are on it or anything. To me, I don't think those ones have – they've always just been kind of – they're like – they're good, but they're not like great to me. I think we kind of have like a tendency as humans to romanticize the past a little bit, and we always think the past is better in yeah. a little bit. And That's, I, that's true. I, just That's just my personal feeling. No, yeah. but I think like that concept that you just said – could be applied to like everything like mm -hmm. parents yes raising children not just sports yeah yeah i completely agree we do that's, a, that's like with the that's past. that's it's a proven psychological thing yeah i like i looked at looked that up when i was thinking about it when i was taught texting yesterday and stuff and it's a proven psychological thing because we always remember good things and, and we block out bad yes it, it is a proven psychological thing that's a so yeah. as humans, we naturally do that. We romanticize. I do it all the time. Yeah. 90s music is better. <laughs> right. 90s sports were better. Jordan's the goat. Yeah, it's just natural, I think. And and I'm not saying that, that I don't know. Stat, it, it, I definitely agree with the Pro Bowl has badly. The other, uh, the other three, I feel like, have always just been kind of meh. But. So Hunter Geckel says, get rid of the Pro Bowl. Guys don't want to get hurt for a game that means nothing. All-star break – oh, hold on. All-star game for baseball should be a week and a best-of-three series. Watch the Aces throw one inning and they're done. Disagrees with that, which I, I can see that. Uh, he wants to see competition. The NBA has been good the last two years for charity money. I'm going to disagree 
because there's no defense. Okay, hold on. There's little defense in the NBA as there is. There's zero in the All-Star game. The yeah. score is like, what, 170 to 150? They did the thing where they changed the last, the end, was it just the fourth quarter? Where they have to reach a certain amount of points, yeah. right? Yeah. And it, so it, it becomes a, yeah, it's untimed. And yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's just like a shootout. And that has helped a little bit, it seemed like, the last couple of years. But yeah, they're, yeah, they don't play it. Yeah, they don't just care in that. It's just a shootout, basically. Uh, Dwight and Bobby Pring, I believe, said, yes, Pro Bowl back to Hawaii, make it a destination, a little more sexy. That was also when it was after the Super Bowl, though. Because that has changed, and I don't know. I, I think most people know that, but it used to be the week after the Super Bowl. Now it's, now it's the week before, mm-hmm. and they give two weeks from championship weekend to— Which they always did that. They always gave the two weeks. There was yeah. just nothing scheduled that Correct. weekend. Okay. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't, see, I don't think that would hurt, but the thing that I think shitty is that they moved it that week before because then you have— None of the Super Bowl team. Right. The Super Bowl— yeah. like. Clearly, Mahomes is a Pro Bowl, or Brady probably would have been in the Pro Bowl. Tyreek Hill, mm-hmm. Kelsey, like those are guys who would have been there. Mm-hmm. And now you're so that's causing even more opt outs, right? And stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a they're opting out, and I think some guys in some cases are like, eh, I don't want to be. I was mm-hmm. an alternate. I'm good. Yeah, I think the Pro Bowl is the by far. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl, and I couldn't tell you how long. And it's, I and I u- almost always watch the other three. Yeah, it's it's nothing to watch. It's junk. But I mean, the linemen are my least favorite part in the whole thing because they literally hike, snap the ball and they just stand up, and the defensive linemen mm-hmm. kind of come in and pretend like they're. they're yeah, doing I don't something. even think they're like allowed to rush or something like that, aren't they? Are they? Yeah, I don't think you are. I don't. You can't blitz. That's what it is. You can't the blitz. Front right. four can go. That's what it but is. But you no can't send in. any extras. I knew yeah. there was something like that. So, uh, the one that closest aligns with what I felt was from Joe Spravery, and Joe said, and I'll just read the his, his post was. It would never happen because it's too short a notice. However, I'd like to see the Super Bowl played at the at the conference champions home field based on what conference won the Super Bowl from the previous year. They don't care about the money or, or charity. I feel each team would put forth more effort because if they win, their team makes a Super Bowl, they'll be playing a home field advantage. It would also finally get a Super Bowl in some cold weather cities. So uh yeah, that one is the one that most closely aligns with how I feel because I think that's an awesome idea because that would make those teams care more. You're playing for the pride of your conference and you're, you know, because I, I, I'm trying to think like as a fan, I hate, I, I don't want any other AFC East teams to win the Super Bowl, right? Like I hated when New England was there and won. Uh, if the Jets were to make it, like I'd cheer against them. Mm-hmm. But do you think players feel that same way? Or do you think they want like, hey, this is our conference. Uh, the team that knocked us out of the playoffs, sure. If they go on to win, then it'll look better for us because, hey, they knocked us out. They won the whole thing. 
I think some might. I don't know about every I player. guess that would be really down to the end. I think a player that maybe has been with a team for a long time, a long-term, you know, it, it, Jerry Hughes probably has a lot more invested to the Bills than, say, at all. AJ Klein. Or, okay, yeah. Oh, all right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? AJ Klein that, that's a better that's, example. Yeah, that's been with a lot of other teams. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he he might care more than a guy So, like I that. like that. But, yes, what I would say is that we still push the Pro Bowl to after the Super Bowl, and then you have that game done, and then your next season you know, all right, well, whoever wins the NFC this year, NFC won the Pro Bowl, instead of doing Team Carter versus Team Moss. And uh, the other thing that's just struck me, and this is totally off of what I'm even talking about right now, but uh, Major League Baseball, wear your own team's uniform. I love the pictures that I was looking at of A's guys, Tigers guys, you know, all mixed together, like just all the different representatives. Wear your own uniform. I, I kind of like that too. Yeah, they and all the, have um, logos of uh, of like of their, their own, team. Yeah, they all have yeah. like on their chest. But I would, I would go. But, but I just yeah, think it'd be cool if like just the, where they're where I, I kind of like that too. Yeah, and then in the Pro Bowl, they still do wear their own helmet, right? I think that's correct. Yeah. But they just wear whatever that sounds right, jersey yeah. they're doing. But um, yeah. So my thought goes with Spros to after Super Bowl, then you have the Pro Bowl. Winner next year gets you know, and and maybe even make it something to where if somebody's going into free agency, if they want to opt out, fine, because their care for the game may be less than the guy who's still going to be on the 49ers for three years. You know, like I'm trying because I want the NFC to win because I want if we wouldn't make it to the Super Bowl, we'll get to play at home. Whereas the free the guy who's going to free agency, he might be on an AFC team next year. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's my take on it. The The other thing that I have uh, is get rid of the game completely. I said this when we were texting. Yeah. But here is my, and I actually, but I'd have I to said, find it, okay. but I have a Facebook post that I put up like eight years ago, 10 years ago. I'll have to start looking for it. But what I think is instead of a Pro Bowl, if they want to fill that time slot in between Super Bowl, take all the current free agents and undrafted free agents. So the NFL free agent pool, have some tryouts, build two teams, let them go at it as a showcase for, hey, in a month, free agency begins. Mm. Or they wouldn't even have to wait that long, I don't think, because the free agent period is only for... restricted guys. Yeah, right. So these guys... Well, if they're restricted, then they just have to wait until the... If they're restricted, then they're not on a team. That's what I'm saying. Not Not pending free agents. I'm talking the NFC championships are over, right? Mm-hmm. All these guys who are still on a team are still on that team until the second week of March. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying you take the guys who are in the NFL free agent pool who are not contracted to any team. They're just there with an agent hoping to get signed to a 90-man roster here in okay, a couple so months. The restricted free agent guys wouldn't play. They right. wouldn't play them. That's, yeah. what, that's what I meant. I yeah. Just, because you got guys like Matt Milano or something, you know what I mean? That well, Right. No, those guys, nobody who's who played in the NFL that season 
and was still on and oh, rostered. Oh, oh, you're talking. Oh, I'm talking the free guys agent that, pool that, that didn't even play last. Right. Year. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm talking the guys who. I'm with you now. Uh, I, I I thought you were saying potential free agents. Okay. If I could think of, I can't even think of a player who like. It's pretty ugly. Like Robert Foster was he on a roster last year? The old I Bills think, receiver. I think he was. Okay. Uh, well, let's Red pretend Skins he wasn't. He he made sorry. it to. No, we're just pretending. I I I did ask you the question, but no, I I said Redskins. <laughs> oh, well, we'll get to that in sports history. I got some good stuff for the Redskins. I mean the Redskins team. So, Robert Foster, say he's on the Bills roster, training camp right up till the cut to fifty three, he gets released. Nobody signs him to a practice squad. Nobody picks him up. He is not on a team. He sits that whole year, but he's working out. You know, he's doing hired a wide receiver coach to train him. And then this game comes around. He tries out. He makes this game so he can showcase what he can do at game speed with a bunch of other free agents. So all these guys are Des getting. Bryant would have been one. Four, well, he ended up going he to did, Baltimore. But, but I mean, at one time he would have. Yeah, right. Because he was trying to get back in the league Correct. forever. That's what I'm saying. Guys like him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All these guys who want to, if you want to make a comeback, you're not officially retired. Josh Gordon. Yeah. Well. Dude, would you have to be reinstated? He just wouldn't be able to play, compete in the Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> Out. Did you see he applied for reinstatement? Again? Yeah, he got it, I think. Oh, did he? I, I think so. See that. I think it was granted. Yeah. Great, but yeah, I okay, I see that. That's my idea: is to have this game of free agents the week before the Super Bowl, and just let them let them go nuts. Yeah, because those guys are going to play four quarters of game. You know, I see where you're coming from because you're going to get guys that want that are going out there playing hard. They're going to be. So I know it would probably be the most competitive football (laughs) game of the year (laughs) because all these guys are looking for that big contract and to get on a team, you know, a chance. That's -hmm. what they want. So, um, with the, um, with Spro's thing, they, I don't think, I don't think it's a bad idea. I don't think there's any chance it would happen because they did do the Super Bowl in New York that one year and they, it they, hated the way it went i guess well, and stuff but i thought the reason they hated the way it went was because new, new jersey and new york got into a pissing contest because the game is in new jersey at metlife mm-hmm. or wh- whatever that stadium's called mm-hmm. east rutherford yeah and all the festivities that they did were in new york city is that so why? that is my understanding of why it went shitty was because New Jersey was pissed off and said, whoa, 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 the game's here. Haven't The Meadowlands is where you should have all these festivities, that, that not New York right. City. So I think that was the issue because they're clearly, they're like, what, 20 minutes apart? Not even, I don't, I don't even know. But yeah, yeah, they're not, it's not far. Yeah. So that is my understanding as to why that didn't go well. So I don't think that that trial was really fair because the NFL kind of fucked it up to begin with because they're like, well, we'll just put everything in new york city because that's where everybody wants to go but then the game is going to be played in new jersey meanwhile you know the meadowlands in new jersey are losing out on a shitload of income because none of the pre-game festivities week-long stuff they were doing nothing was there mm-hmm. i think that's what scares them though is the, the they like having the nice weather for all those festivities right but i i don't i don't think it's a bad idea no, I, I think it'd be cool i just think they they care so much about all that shit leading up to the Super Bowl. Oh right, 
Yeah. And well, they there's do. so much money invested. It's dollar signs. Yeah. yeah. Sponsorship so like, and yeah. So that's their, that's their big thing. It's all money pulls. So they want it to be nice weather and yeah. But I, I, yeah, I brought up when I text you about, um, just scrap, at least for the Pro Bowl. I like the other, th- I honestly am fine with the other three. I think that they're, they're fine. Like I, I enjoyed the game last night. Um, but for the Pro Bowl has gotten so bad. I don't even watch it. Yeah. Skills like I, yeah, it's something like that. If those they, are I watch those ones yeah. leading up to the pro. Oh, the skills contests were cool. Those are when fun. they were drone dropping a football from like how what? <laughs> They're 50? way more fun to watch than the game. Yeah, and the quarterbacks do like they do like the, the accuracy. Yeah, stuff. the accuracy stuff, and those yeah. are cool. Like, and I, we'd finally get to see if Mahomes or Allen who can throw right. a longer football. Yeah, stuff like that. You know what I mean? That's I think that would be fun to watch. I think but, it would too. But. I don't know. Yeah, I mean that would be more fun than than the crappy game that they always put on. All right. Well, thank you for everybody who uh, chimed in on that post. We're going to be doing more stuff like that because it's fun to hear other people's opinions and then discuss Absolutely. them. Uh, I like. I I think Kylie and I agreed after we did the um, unpopular opinion. unpopular opinion that that was like the most fun segment we had recording. Yeah, the fan interaction it it gets us talking more. It yeah. gives us more things to talk about. And yep. It's fun getting people involved. Yeah, it is. So look out for more of those posts. We'll be doing them. Probably maybe one an episode or every other or something like that. So, all right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with This Week in Sports History. Hi, this is Chris Rossetti, and I wanted to take a moment to tell you about our new website, D9and10sports.com. It's just like the old one, but with the word and in the number 10 added to the end. D9and10sports.com is your new home for District 9 and District 10 high school sports, and we are doing all the things you have come to love from us, plus much, much more. Our goal is the same, to cover every sport at every school in both D9 and D10 in a variety of ways, including writing, video, and audio. If you're a high school sports fan, you need to check out D9and10sports.com today. Let's take a look back at this week in sports history. This edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9, District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. I must apologize, because I think in consecutive weeks, or maybe it was two in the last three, I forgot about something at opening that we wanted to do, so we have to do it at the beginning of sports history. So, our winners for the Home Run Derby prediction was Joe Pellegrino and Scott Stewart, right? Yep. Those were the two, Pete Alonzo. Yep. All right. So we said we were going to do a drawing. So before Kylie got here today, what I did was I set two bobbleheads in front of him, right in front of his little mic area. So in front of him is a Buffalo Bills little old school double zero bobblehead. And the other one is Joe Boo from Major League, the doll that Pedro Serrano worshipped. So those two are sitting in front of him, and he had no idea why. Well, because under one of them 
is Joe Pellegrino, and under the other is Stewie. My question is, do you know which one's which? I do. Oh, that doesn't even seem fair. It is fair because you don't know. <laughs> you don't know which one. So you're going to pick. So whichever one you pick up wins the $25 Amazon gift card. But you don't know which one's which. It's Joe Boo. It's the Bill's doll or the Bill's bobblehead. So Kylie, go ahead and lift one of those up and reveal our winner. He chose Joe Boo. Stewie. Stewie is the winner. So <laughs> Stewie, we will have a $25 Amazon gift card for you. I'll get that to you by the weekend. Joe, tough loss. Thanks for playing. Get them next time. We're going to do more of those. That was kind of fun. Need more participation, though. Guys got to get those uh, picks in, likes, shares, all that good stuff. Helps us out and puts you in for a chance to win. So, yeah, I was I honestly thought you would go Bills. Well, that's why I went the I, I zagged because I was. Well, I didn't put the so I didn't put the name. So you wanted Kelly to win. No, that's I didn't. what you're saying. No, so <laughs> yeah, that's why you shouldn't have known. Stewie <laughs> is going to hate the podcast again. He lost yeah. his top fan status once. And that's why I said you shouldn't have known. You should have done it like. And put him under there without well, knowing. But I didn't know. I didn't put it under, like, saying he's going to pick this one. It's just in my brain. I'm like, Pel or not Pelly, but Kylie's going to. He might take the Bills. I thought you'd take the Bills one. But I, I'm glad you went Joe Boo. I figured that you thought I might take that. That's why when you said it, you knew I went the I zagged, which I didn't know which one you would have went where. Right. I mean, if you think about it, putting Pelly under Joe Boo would have made more sense. He's a Cleveland fan. <laughs> Cleveland Indians right, major yeah. league. I don't think he's. I don't know if he's an Indians fan, but Browns fan. I just. So I just. Joe Boo has more ties to Cleveland than the Bills doll. Oh, for sure. Right. So okay. Well, congratulations, Stewie. Uh, thank you all who participated in that. And I did have uh, Bly Miller send me a message and said, "Is it too late to change to Pete Alonzo?" <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. But I like the the effort. The effort's good. So next time, we'll do another one of those. We'll find something fun to do, do some more giveaways. All right, so let's get into sports history. I got 10 facts for you this week, and we're going to start off in number one. 1877, the first ever Wimbledon Tennis Championship. It was the first official lawn tennis tournament, and it was men's singles only. I thought that one was interesting because I know that that tournament's been around a long time. I didn't realize 1877. No, that's a long, that's a long time. So we'll move on. Number two. 1900. England's Charlotte Cooper beats Helene Provost to become the first female Olympics tennis champion and the first individual female Olympic champion. So the very first individual gold medal. Went to Charlotte Cooper in the year 1900. Of a female, right? What? Individual for a female. In, individual female, yeah. yeah. That's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. I thought that was cool. 1900. So, good job, Charlotte. Number three. 1914. Babe Ruth makes his MLB debut pitching for the Boston Red Sox in a 4-3 win against the Cleveland Naps. Why did Cleveland ever change their name? Because anytime I'm watching them, I want to take a nap. Lame or good? Was that a good joke or a bad joke? <laughs> we'll have to ask Preston to leave. 
<laughs> he did. Well, if you follow his Facebook page, he, he usually has the game turned on by seven. He bitches. Glad about I stayed it. up for he, this. He I don't know why he ever watches the Indians. All he ever does is bitch about it. I think he just gets more stressed out than anything by that team. I, yeah, I think you're right. And then I look and they're in first place. I'm like, all he does is. What was he mad about? Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Number four. 1932, the Washington Redskins were formed. Pretty good, right? There's more to come on that one later. We got more uh, Redskin history coming up in these 10 facts. Number five. 1946, baseball grants a $5,000 minimum salary. It's a little more than that today. Not for minor leaguers. <laughs> Those guys get boned. But I didn't look to see what it was, what minimum salary is. I know for NFL, it's like 750000 But I don't know what it is for Major League Baseball. But 1946, 5000 But that's probably a shitload of money back then, too. Mm-hmm. I didn't use... There was one fact I did at one point where I did an inflation calculator on it, and I didn't do any of that this time. Sorry. Number six. 1985... Astros pitcher Nolan Ryan becomes the first pitcher to strike out 4,000 people. I just threw that on there because it said Astros. And when I look through that for the 10 facts for history, there's never anything for the Astros. So I was excited because that's why everybody's like, you just hate on the Yankees. No, I don't. Well, I mean, I do. But they have so much history that when I read through those facts all the time, it's always Yankees shit going on. I think that the editor of that website, probably a Yankees fan, because he puts some dumb shit on there. He's like, this day in 1956, Yankees beat the Tigers (laughs) 3-2. Thanks for the information. Like, that's nothing, anything cool about the game or just a Classic 3-2 victory. It rained a little bit. Yeah. Five like, he had, you know, the one where they set the fence on fire. That was cool. Armed Forces Day. But then, yeah, there's just a bunch that are like that. It's, yeah. Whatever. Number seven. 1991. Major League Baseball umpire Steve Palmero and former NFL D-lineman Terrence Mann were both shot trying to help two waitresses who were being robbed. I didn't look more into that, but I just thought that was sounded pretty nuts, right? Yeah, that could have been in... Um, things that sting. Things that sting if, as well. If the Beehive Sports Podcast... If podcasts existed in 1991, we could have talked about that shit. Number eight. 1992. The Florida Marlins unveil their uniform. The expansion year. Uh... Those were their best uniforms they ever had. Now they look like... Uh, you remember Nintendo, that game Bases Loaded? Where like you'd pick Hawaii and they were like bright orange and red. And just They look like cartoon characters. I hate the Marlins uniforms. Their new uniforms are junk. <laughs> uh, that's. Uh, it seems like... Again, I think we romanticized the past a little bit. I always like the throwbacks. I'm like that. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) But those new ones, can we? There are some that uniforms that are horrible, hideous. I don't like their orange ones. They're ones that aren't orange or. The black. But they still have Miami in like 
10 different colors. It's just stupid. It looks like somebody just took watercolor paint and just threw it all over them. Like those, good. the Bills early 2000s uniforms were horrible. Yeah, the happened. dark so blue. Those ones were awful. Yeah, dark blue with the oh white. God. Yeah, and yeah, those were bad. All right. Number nine. 2009. Joe Sackick retires from the NHL after 21 seasons with the Quebec Nordique Colorado Avalanche franchise, finishing with 625 goals and 1,641 points. You may wonder why I put that one on here. You, you can't nod. You have to say yes. Nobody can see you but me. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Okay. The reason I put that on here is because back in like mid-90s to like probably my first couple years of college, I was a Colorado Avalanche fan. I had both their home and away jerseys. Sackick was my favorite player. I used to have a figurine of him that in my many college moves and moves since then, adult moves and college moves and all that, it got lost. I have no idea where it's at, but I wish I still had it. But yeah, Sackick was my favorite player when I was a kid. I just, he was uh, the captain of the Avalanche. And yeah, I liked the Avalanche. But Patrick then Wah. Patrick Waugh. So yeah, I mean, Pierre Lacroix. Yeah, that was his name. He's the general manager who he just died last year. But, uh, he was like one of the best GMs of all time. He pulled off crazy ass trades at the trade deadline, picked up Ray Bork, uh, Rob Blake. Like he's always bringing in a big name at the trade 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 deadline. Um, and yeah, I just really liked them. And then I kind of quit watching hockey, and I think the Avalanche got pretty bad for a little while, and then now they're like pretty good again. But I can't. I I don't feel right as a fan. Like going back and saying, yeah, I've been, you know, because I haven't been a fan the whole time. Mm. So I once was a Colorado Avalanche fan for several years. Followed them pretty close. Number 10. 2015. The NFL's Washington Redskins have their trademark vacated on grounds it may cause offense to Native Americans. So they are now the Washington Redskins team in, instead. Washington football team. No. I refuse. <laughs> because I, roman I romanticize with the past. 2015. Yeah, that's when they got vacated. The trademark. Oh. They didn't have to change it yet because they had merchandise. They would still, they gotcha. couldn't make anything new, but they had to, I'm what was it? When it? How long have they been the football team now officially? Just, One year? Yeah, just just last year. Yeah. I think was so it was vacated, but then they had X amount of time to change it and regroup. Which I think I just saw yesterday that they said by 2022 they will pick a new identi identity or something. I think I saw yesterday on, on ESPN. Well, it's kind of brilliant by Dan Snyder to go with the, the way they did it because – now, think like 50 years from now. There's going to be people who are like, I still have my Washington football team shirt from when that one year or two years that they had to change their name. And yeah, I don't know what they're going to go to, but I guess we'll figure that out. So The Washington manatees. Are there manatees in Washington? There should be something like that there's not. I would like that. 
Like the <laughs> yeah, the Washington. What else isn't there? White-tailed deer. Do they have, maybe they have some of those. Probably. Washington. Got anything else? I don't know. Polar bears. <laughs> that see, yeah, yeah, killer whales. <laughs> the Washington orcas. Orcas. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna take a break, but before we do. This edition of This Week in Sports History is brought to you by D9and10sports.com, the home for all things District 9, District 10 sports. If you love sports, this is the place to be. We'll be back with the things that sting. Time for the things that sting. The worst stories in sports, according to Joe. Hey, welcome to the things that sting. A couple things to go over today. We did only have one real case we were going to talk about was Barkevius Mingo. Uh, this morning, I had a couple court hearings, and as I left court and my phone got service again, it immediately popped up uh, that Richard Sherman was just dying to be on the Beehive Sports podcast and committed some crimes. It sounds like in the early morning hours of this day. Yeah, we got a couple of heavy hitters this week. You definitely jinxed us. I did. <laughs> I'm never going to say the words athletes behaving in the same sentence again, I don't think. Because, yeah, I really screwed the pooch here. So, free agent coroner Richard Sherman was arrested early Wednesday in King County, Washington, on a felony charge of burglary domestic violence. Sherman was held without bail. Uh, this happened at around 2 a.m. Pacific time. So a spokesperson for the Redmond Police Department said it is standard procedure to be held without to hold domestic violence suspects without bail until they appear in front of a judge. So comparing that to like something in Pennsylvania, and I'm not sure if this is the same, um, but like here, if it's that early, like five or 2 a.m., you know, here, there, wherever, uh, like what we do is what's called an emergency commitment and they go into the jail and they're booked and placed. But then at eight thirty nine AM, when the judge comes into work, he'll be notified that he has to do a preliminary arraignment and he'll do it then. So I don't know if this is similar here because he did note it's domestic violence suspects. We hold them without bail, but he also says until they appear in front of a judge, which, uh, no bail is ever set until they see a judge for their preliminary arraignment. Police don't set bail. Jails don't set bail. The judge does. So I think that's a similar circumstance and he probably just didn't want to like get into the details of, of that. Like it's an emergency commit. The judge comes in in the morning and arraigns him and then he'll set bail. Um, and depending on the severity will, you know, depend on the amount and he has victims to protect. So that's always taken into account when bail set also. So the details are a 911 call came from the residence, like I said, at about 2 a.m. Pacific time. The caller said an adult male family member who did not live at the residence was attempting to force his way into the home. When police arrived, 
Sherman was located outside the home, fought with police, but was eventually apprehended and taken to a local hospital to be checked, but was cleared and then booked into King County Correctional Facility. So then, what was it, just not too many minutes ago, we find out that uh, Washington State Police are also investigating Sherman for uh, in connection to a hit and run that took place at approximately 1 a.m. Pacific time, so about an hour before the phone call. A car struck a concrete barrier and the vehicle was left at the scene. So, uh, could have been, I mean, we're speculating, which isn't always great to do, usually not great to do. But, um, if you want to, you know, my brain, where my brain goes with this, putting the pieces together, he's speeding over to this residence he's heading to, piles up his car, and then makes his way there anyway. So it sounds like he was, it was known he was on his way there. I'm curious to see what that comes out with that. If there was some phone conversation or text conversation, like I'm on my way over there and then this happens. So yeah, there wasn't anything that like these people knew him or anything then. It was a family member. Oh, okay. Sorry. I it messed says, up. Uh, my bad. Uh, he said, where was it here? Let me look through my notes. Caller said an adult male family member who did not live at the residence was attempting to force his way into the home. So the caller is related to him to some capacity. I don't know what. And I don't know if the caller is male or female either. But Yeah, I missed the family member part. Okay. That makes more sense. Bad night for Richard So it wasn't like he just went to a random house. He definitely knew where he was going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you know, this is a – I just almost just sounded like Chris Collinsworth because I almost just said this is a guy – who's probably going to sign on into a team within the next couple of months. Cause he's not out of the league. I mean, he's not on a team, but he's one of those guys who's going to wait till he finds the right fit. He doesn't probably doesn't need training camp. He's a veteran. He'd probably sitting out most of that shit anyways. So it's going to make things a little harder. Now. Yeah. It's not looking good. Not looking good at all. And he was a, a, you know, from a Bills perspective, he was a guy who was brought up a lot in conversation about potentially landing in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, veteran deal to come one year, you know, kind of like they did with Josh Norman. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think they were, especially I, I know before they, they didn't expect to get Levi Wallace back. That was a huge surprise. Yeah. You know? And, well, and guys want to be there. Yeah, before that, they thought that they would. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that was, but that was a so like they were looking at like cheaper options of guys to bring in out uh, free agent. Once he signed for cheap, though, they it seemed like they might have backed off a little bit. On right. It. But so yeah, Sherman, rough night out in Washington. Yeah. All right. So on to the next one, which is uh, like I said, was going to be our only one until. Uh, Richard's rough night. Barkevius Mingo. So I'm just going to say this. I think I said it for the Trevor Bauer one too, which if you're listening, you probably don't give a shit anyways, but um, this does have some pretty awful details involved in it. So if you listen to me and you aren't okay with awful stuff, I don't really know why you're listening anyways, but uh, if you have, yeah, if this stuff is emotional to you or, or anything like that, it has to do with children. So, uh, 
listen no more pause hit pause skip 10 minutes approximately is he part of a team right now he was they released him falcons okay so uh nine-year veteran drafted by the browns first round bust because now he's a journeyman he's been on several teams uh, Barkevius Mingo was arrested in suburban Dallas on Thursday and charged with indecency with a child sexual contact. According to the Arlington Police Department, he turned himself in on his own accord in consultation with his attorney and has been released from custody after posting $25,000 bond. Uh, Mingo's attorney obviously comes right out with the allegations are out of Tarrant County against my client are completely baseless. Barkevius Mingo is innocent. At this stage, our side has very limited information. Uh, what we do know is the allegations are from over two years ago and are completely untrue. Uh, Mr. Mingo is the f- victim of a false claim we believe to be motivated by money. So, the details. The alleged incident that took place over July 4th weekend of 2019 was brought to the attention of Arlington Police Department in January of 2021. According to documents filed by Arlington PD pertaining to a search warrant, Mingo invited a teenage family member and the boy's friend, also a teenager, to spend the day with him. Mingo took the boys to Six Flags over Texas Six Flags Over Texas Amusement Park in Arlington and K-1 Speed, a Dallas-area go-kart complex. They had dinner at BJ's Restaurant and a popular popular steakhouse. Mingo paid for everything, including a season pass to K-1 Speed. Mingo also treated the boys to a shopping spree, paying for items that they chose from Nike.com. The relative's friend chose a variety of T-shirts, shoes, and shorts, The gear was shipped to the boy at the address of his friend, Mingo's family member. On the night of July 4th, 2019, the boys returned to the local hotel where Mingo was staying. According to the documents obtained by Sports Illustrated, the boy fell asleep, but at approximately 3 a.m., he woke up and noticed Mingo in bed with him. He thought it was odd, according to the documents, because the plan was for the two boys to sleep in a room separate from Mingo. He thought little of it and went back to sleep. According to the document, the victim was then woken by Mingo pulling at his underwear. This occurred for a few minutes until Mingo got more and more aggressive, pulled the victim's underwear down to his shins. The victim advised that when this was occurring, he was scared and pretended to be asleep. Mingo then put a lotion on that made the victim's skin burn and rubbed his penis up and down in between the victim's butt crack. When in, uh, so in January 2021, the boy's mom actually made the complaint to the local police. The case was assigned to a detective in Arlington uh, Police Department Crimes Against Children unit. And in February of 2021, the assigned detective applied for a search warrant through Nike for the record sales and cooperated, you know, the boy's story of the purchases that were made. There's three purchases that they got the search warrant for. The 
Uh, Arlington police detective put forth in the application that the evidence will corroborate the victim's statements. Furthermore, it is known to the detective that purchasing gifts for for children is known as grooming behavior in child sexual abuse cases, which is something I was actually aware of that too, is that they will, you know, do things for them, buy them for them, and it's called grooming because they're prepping them for what they're about to do. Uh... So, back to Mingo. He played uh, seven seasons in the NFL, starting with the Browns. They selected him sixth overall in the 2013 draft. He played for the Patriots in the Super Bowl. In July of 2019, he was a member of the Seahawks, who traded him to the Texans. And then he spent some time with the Bears. And then in March, he signed a one-year deal to join the Falcons, who have now ultimately released him. Uh, Which... There was somebody, I can't remember if it was the Players Association or somebody was giving flack about the Falcons doing that, which, tough spot to be in because you have these allegations that are extremely serious and painting Mingo to be a complete monster, like the worst of the worst kind of people, in my opinion, are pedophiles. And if that's what he is, you know, obviously... I don't know how much information... Of course, you know these teams have their own... Like, the Falcons have investigators who work for them, right? Like, PIs. Every team does. They know a lot more about the case, probably, than what's coming out to the public, and they obtain the information the correct way. It's all hush-hush. They can't say, you know, there's gag orders on a bunch of things. So... I don't know. It's it's one of those situations where it's if it's not true, then yeah, shame on the Falcons for releasing them without figuring everything out yet. But if it is true, then they look like they did the right thing. They're ahead of the game because you think about like look at the reaction that people are giving the Dodgers right now for Trevor Bauer. Uh, Dave Stewart said he wouldn't attend some ceremony at Dodger Stadium because he's pissed off at, about the way. They're handling the Trevor Bauer case. So who's doing the right thing? You never know until the case unfolds. So there's no right way to do it because if you do it too early and he's, it's all bullshit, then whoops, you know, maybe we shouldn't have cut you so soon. But if you hang on to a guy and it turns out to be true, then people are like, why would you let him stay on your payroll? So it's like shitty either way, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, my I thought. I go when, ahead. When they release a guy like that, I don't think is he, is he not obligated to get paid anyway? This there. Yeah, I guess that's yeah, that's probably true. There's, so, I mean, there's some sort of cap hit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to get the full part of his that contract, right, but he's yeah. going to. They're going to take a cap hit. Right. They're going to pay him something. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know. It's just like, to me, Atlanta did the right thing. These allegations are way too serious. And regardless of if it's true or not, if it's being said about you, you want to remove yourself from that situation. Right? Yep. Let the court system play out. Let the court, you know, let all that play out and then go from there. But this isn't like... And I, I don't know, there's no right way to say this, but this isn't uh, 
female who he hung out with for a while now making some crazy claims. And I'm not saying that they're always false. I'm saying it's common. Those cases pop up all the time. We've done how many of them on this show, and the show's only existed mm-hmm. for fucking three months. Yeah, it's much so, more rare for a kid to just make up a story like right. this. Yeah, yeah. There, I don't remember the last time an NFL player was accused of fondling a male child. I don't. I don't remember the last time that anyone was just like accused. Of I mean, by, uh, accused by a child, and then it just turned out to be just completely false. Right. Really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> not the just an NFL pitcher player, from the Pirates. What right. was his name? Felipe Vasquez. Yeah, and he was, but it was. I mean, not that it's better. It's a little, still a child, but it was a female child, right? Mm-hmm. So in that case, and the Pirates got rid of him right away, right? Yeah, I believe. That, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I don't know. To me, there has to be probably some more evidence in, involved than what they're saying, but. It also happened two years ago. So they, what evidence they have still, I have no idea. If the kid held on to the story for two years before he finally told his mother and then she went to the police, I would assume that was the case, mm-hmm. is that he kept it tucked away because it's traumatic and children don't talk about trauma. You don't want, you know, it's, it, it's common practice in law enforcement to when we have a child case, is you interview the, the 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 only interview you really want is the forensic one done by a specialist who literally their professional job is to interview children about traumatic experiences because if I talk to them and then or mom you you know mom's already talked to them whoever's reporting it I should say so not necessarily mom but in this case mom the next step is call the police well the police wanted to know what he told mom. But we're going to move forward with, hey, we're going to go on to a, you can do a limited question interview, but you don't do a full-blown interview with the child. You go to a forensic interview, let a specialist do it, because you do not want them to keep repeating this trauma, because then it could affect them more long-term. So that's like the, you know, the way that kind of works. But yeah, we'll have to wait for more of the stuff to come out on Mingo, but this is, that's bad that's some bad bad shit right there yeah and i don't yeah i think some people get too critical with the team with the release thing like they do they do yeah and i mean the players association has to because they're a union they have to protect their guy until you know Mm -hmm. everything is settled but that the court system doesn't align with how the union works Mm -hmm. the court system does what the court system does and that's uh hey your hearing scheduled for what what are we in July 14th right now? Mm-hmm. Hey, you're hearing scheduled for August 20th. Oh, okay. Calendar call or uh, arraignment because your charges got bound over at the prelim. Arraignment will be uh, October 4th. It's like every step is, you know, because there's just so many people going through. It's slow. Mm-hmm. It works eight hours a day just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know if maybe there's a better way. Like, I'm trying to think if, if I had owned a business of any kind and and had you know an employee that did this you know what i mean maybe would, maybe you maybe you put him on a suspended leave or right. something like that pending a, the investigation right something like that would maybe be a better way to handle it i guess yeah i don't know I yeah don't, it's a tough spot it really. is a really tough spot i can i can't say i blame them really no if i'm the falcons i'm doing the same thing right yeah and, and maybe they could have done a suspension just, right but, and i'm just pointing out that uh, although I agree with the Falcons, I can see where this could come back to backfire 
because innocent until proven guilty. Right. And, and that's why I say with us, like you said, suspended pending the hearing or whatever would would maybe be a better way to go about it. But yeah, there's just, yeah, there's nothing, no real right way to go about it. You just kind of have to take it. It does suck. And, uh, I mean, the MLB has Bauer on an administrative leave. Yeah. And they extended it, extended it. Mm -hmm. So, but then because of that, now it looks like the Dodgers aren't doing anything. Everybody's pissed off at the Dodgers. Yeah, so, it looks like they've, yeah. So, yeah, uh, we will. That's one we're definitely going to follow, too. Obviously, Bauer, Mingo. These are two extremely serious cases. Rich, excuse me. Richard Sherman. Um, I'm sure more will come out about that, too. So, it sounds like we're going to have uh, some follow-ups to be doing on at least three of these cases that we've discussed. Obviously, we still have... You know, Deshaun Watson from early episodes of this show. And there's really hasn't been much movement on what's going on with that. So that's something that we'll have some answers to, I would think. It coming certainly up doesn't soon. look like he's going to be playing this year. No, it doesn't. Uh, so, yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. We will be back with My Hive, NFL Fan Rant, AFC South. Who won last week? Oh, Michael from the Panthers. Was that it? Yeah. His name? Yeah, he did win. So we'll we'll announce that too, even though I just did. We'll oh, announce it again. I didn't know I wasn't. No, you can announce it. No, it's fine. <laughs> I just couldn't it was like slip my brain because this is actually getting really confusing doing the, the fan rants. Like each week I'm like trying to text people. I thought I found a, a Jaguars fan for like a couple minutes last night, but then he never wrote back this morning. I don't know, but I probably wouldn't want to be recorded talking about Jacksonville potentially winning a Super Bowl this year because if any of your friends heard it, they'd probably think you're a moron. But all right, take a break. Be back. My high fan rant. Hi, this is Ryan Klein, the host of the new pop culture podcast, Me, Myself, and Ryan. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and several other platforms. Special guests, breakaway shows, bonus episodes, cold beers, and a whole lot more. So what are you guys and gals waiting for? Subscribe now to the Me, Myself, and Rye podcast on Spotify or wherever it is that you get your shows and start listening today. in the fan rant my hive segment last week nfc south winner looks like it's going to be mike costanzo got the most votes on the page i did put it up a little late so not a lot of votes came in that was my fault so we're moving on to the afc south 
representing the Houston Texans is Ryan Good. Ryan, where are you calling from? I'm coming from Butler, PA. Butler, PA. How did you become a Texans fan? I'm sorry, can you repeat that? How did you become a Texans fan? Oh, actually, I was a Dominic Davis fan when he was a running back at LSU. Um, and then, obviously, I followed him into the NFL. He got drafted by the Houston Texans. I had no idea the Texans were at the time, but uh, they were a brand new team. Uh, so, after that, I just fell in love with the organization. She stuck with him. I like it. I'm sorry, can you repeat that one more time? I said, I'm, it's nice to see you stuck with him, though. It'd be a, that could be a franchise you could r- run away from pretty quickly. Yeah, they've done pretty well over the past few years. Um, obviously, some changes have occurred that has uh, taken the franchise in a different direction. But uh, hoping to see the best out of them soon. Right on. All right, so, Ryan, you have three minutes or less. Make myself and the listeners a believer that the Houston Texans could turn this thing around and win the Super Bowl this coming season. All right. I'll make this pretty simple. The Texans are – I'm a, I'm a fan of the Houston Texans, but I'm also a fan of the NFL, so I'm not going to sit here and try to play you guys with this, but the Texans will not be made in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, the biggest reason why is because they have a QB situation that they need to get figured out. Yeah, they brought in Tyrod Taylor, brought in Davis Mills with the other trap. But everything going on with Sean Watson is a killer. He is the backbone of that team. The other reason is because all oh, they keep doing is shipping out their players. Uh, Bill Belichick started that segment, and since then it's just been going downhill. It reminds me of the Eagles when Chip Kelly did it to them when he was uh, uh, the GM and as well as the coach. So I do not see anything happening with that. I mean, the, the highlights that we can go with these Texans are bringing in Marcus Cannon, Justin Britt, bringing in Bill Lindsay, and also Mark Ingram to kind of compete for that running back position. But obviously those are just temporary um, holdovers until things get figured out. Uh, defense is looking very shaky as well. I mean, I know they brought in Christian Kersky, uh, and he's going to do very well. Hopefully he has a rebound season. But the other big thing is also there's the schedule. I mean, they have the 15th most difficult schedule. I mean, I know that's right in the middle, but I mean, you're going to get teams like the Titans, the Colts again. Uh, there's just so many ups and downs that can occur with the Houston Texans that, I mean, it's just going to be scary to watch them play this year. I mean, they also have the Bills throughout the season. They just throw these scary teams to play no matter what. And then they're also going to get the Cardinals where T-Hop and J.J. Watt went. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if I can see the Texans make the would be very excited, but it's not going to happen. So, I will <laughs> leave it at that. All right. So, Ryan Good, not too optimistic about the Houston Texans. We're going to move along to a team that made the playoffs last year, has a new quarterback this year, but he's back with his old coach, the Indianapolis Colts. Representing the Indianapolis Colts, Darren Francisco. Darren, where are you calling from? Uh, I'm calling from Erie, Pennsylvania right now. Living warm, but I'm out here on work right now. Right on. So, Darren, you have three minutes or less. Tell the world why the Colts can not get beat by the Bills in the first round. I had to throw that in there. I appreciate it. (laughs) And win the Super Bowl this upcoming season. Go ahead. All right, so some general notes for the season. We got, you know, we're tied with the Bills right now, according to NFL.com, for ninth easiest strength schedule, according to their preseason rankings. And, you know, our division hasn't really been the most competitive over the last two decades almost now. So, you know, at worst, as far as divisional games go, we might split the Tech, or we might split the Titan series. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, that should be that should be five easy wins for us right there on the year. 
So uh, making the playoffs shouldn't be too big of a deal for this team. Uh, obviously, there's there's a big new guy in town. That's Carson Wentz. You know, we got him from Philly there. And between OTAs and, you know, offside training with the team, word is that he's slid into the vacant leadership spot pretty well. You know, players and coaches have both been giving him a lot of praise for that. And then, uh, you know, two things that are going to really help him out. I think he needs he needs to have a lot of confidence. So I, I think two things that are going to help him out a lot is that he is going to be 100% the guy in Indianapolis, you know, now that they ship for set out. He's, uh, he's doesn't have to worry about somebody behind him who, you know, is lurking to try and take his spot. He, he's going to be the man this year. And, you know, he's got Frank Reich, who was his offensive coordinator with the, with the, uh, with the Eagles when they went to the Super Bowl there. So uh, he, he's going to be pretty comfortable running an offense under him. Uh, and then he's, he's playing behind, you know, one of the best O-lines in football. Uh, pro football focus last year. They had the Eagles O-line ranked in the bottom half, and Wentz had one of his worst years ever, as you saw at the end there, him getting benched. So uh, the last time he played with the top-tier offensive line was in 2017, and, you know, we all saw what happened there. So you got Quentin Nelson up front. He's just in a class of his own. Ryan Kelly, he's coming off a season where he earned second-team All-Pro honors. And, you know, they filled one of the biggest weak spots on the line last year was our left tackle. And they went out and got, you know, a two-time pro bowler, first overall pick, uh, Super Bowl champion Eric Fisher. He's coming off of an injury that, uh, you know, hopefully he can get over and uh, doesn't nag him too much. And he'll, he'll give good backside protection for Wentz. Skilled players, you know, I believe we got one of the most stacked backfields in the NFL. Not, not very talked about, though. Marlon Mack, you know, he was slated to lead our backfield last year. Suffered season-ending injury on his fourth carry, so that put a put a lot of pressure on the next guy here, Jonathan Taylor, to step up. And uh, I think he really delivered that. You know, he put up a pretty convincing argument for 2020 being the best running rookie running back anyways. And uh, he capped it off with a 253-yard performance there at the end. And then we got Naheem Hines as well behind him, who has really shined in our passing game. You know, he was second to T.Y. Hilton in targets last year. That was, you know, a lot of that had to do with Philip Rivers being Philip Rivers with his check downs and all. But, uh, you know, he can really handle the workload in the pass game. And then our receivers, they're grossly underrated. I mean, we got T.Y. Hilton, who everybody knows about. We got Paris Campbell, who's coming off of two shortened seasons. So hopefully he can stay healthy. He's a, he's a real big speed guy. Michael Pittman, he, he's going to be a big target. Uh, he's become big in our short and medium range game. And then we got, you know, a good two-headed monster there at tight end with Jack Doyle and Mo Alley-Cox. And then de- defense is going to be uh, it's going to be big for us. You know, Chris Ballard's done an amazing job the last three seasons or so building up this Colts defense to play uh, to play real hard-nosed football. Uh, you got defensive captain Darius Leonard, a linebacker. He's in his fourth season now. The guy has plenty of accolades to his name at this point. You know, he, he's a cornerstone for one of the best defenses in the league, arguably, and he, he plays like it. And uh, they made key acu- acquisitions over the last few years with Xavier Rhodes at cornerback. Uh, they traded for a first-round pick last year for DeForest Buckner, who's lived up to that price. And then, uh, you know, we went and drafted a guy this year in uh, Quiddy Pie, and then uh, we added him to an already elite front seven. And, you know, word out of OTAs for him was that everybody was impressed with his ability and they expect him to play a big role this year. So, uh, yeah, all in all, you know, this is 
pretty much the most complete Colts team I've seen in the last decade or so, at least. And, you know, our, our mix of our great run and pass attacks partnered with our defense that can go toe-to-toe with any offense in the league really is uh, it's going to be a big reason why the Indianapolis Colts uh, lift the Lombardi Trophy at the end of this year. All right. So we have two down, Texans and the Colts. I know it's going to be hard to believe, but I could not find a Jacksonville fan to fill the slot. I found one on one on Jacksonville's Facebook page, the Jaguars Facebook page, but uh, he was unable to do it while I was in the process of recording and he wanted a couple of days to prepare. I should have told him he'd need a fuckload more time than that to prepare a statement that would convince me that Jacksonville is going to win the Super Bowl. So I'm going to handle the Jags and the reason the Jaguars could or will win the Super Bowl is simple. Two words. No, it's not Trevor Lawrence. No, it's not Urban Meyer. It's Tim Tebow. It's Tebow time in Jacksonville. So that could be the reason. If they do pull it off, it's going to have something to do with him. That's all I'm going to say. All right, so moving on. The Titans, I do have a fan for. So joining me on the Beehive Hotline. Representing the Tennessee Titans, Dakota Dollar. Dakota, where are you calling from? Uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So Dakota is actually uh, was in my academy class for the police academy. So that's how I know him. Uh, Dakota, you have three minutes or less. And this shouldn't be a tall task because the Titans are a team that's relatively close to, you know, I would say they're a contender. You have three minutes or less. Explain to me and the listeners why the Tennessee Titans will win the Super Bowl this coming season. Uh, that's pretty easy. Uh, hottest, hottest offense in the NFL. Uh, number one offense last season. You got Derrick Henry in the backfield, chucking the ball. Uh, A.J. Brown, and bringing in Julio Jones, getting that double team off of A.J. Can't load the box against Derrick anymore because they're going to leave somebody open. But I think the key to it is going to be Josh Reynolds. Josh Reynolds out of the slot, solid, solid receiver, getting us one-on-ones. I think Tannehill's going to have a, a great season this year. So, uh, you know, their defensive side was the only worry, but picking up uh, Bud Dupree, picking up Audrey, and then filling those corner spots with with uh, Jenkins and um, also getting those two top three corners in the draft. I think that uh, their defense should be pretty solid this year, just pending injuries, of course. All right. Thank you, Dakota. Well, that's that. That wraps up Fan Rant, NFL Fan Rant, AFC South. We have two divisions left. We are on to next week, NFC West. The following week will be the AFC West, and that's it. Fan Rant over. So then we'll have... uh, I don't know, come up with something new to do and also figure out what we're going to do with the winners. So appreciate all you guys. Ryan, Darren, Dakota, thanks for helping out, calling in, getting this thing moving along. So like I said, next week, NFC West, we're going to take a quick break, be back with closing
Another episode down. Appreciate you guys tuning in, listening to Kylie and I do our thing here on the BI Sports Podcast. Thank you, sponsors, D910sports.com, me, myself, and Ride Podcast. Uh, still looking for more. If anybody knows anything that's available or is interested, please pass the word along. We appreciate it. We do have contract drawn up. You guys know how to get a hold of me for the most part. Message the Facebook page or jbsports at gmail.com. We're going to keep up with the thought-provoking Facebook posts. I uh, love hearing everybody's opinions on stuff. It's fun. Uh, gives more for Kylie and I to talk about. So keep that coming. Uh, the more people on there, the more comments, the better it's going to get. The engagement's great. So let's keep that going. Uh, tag people. Have them chime in if you think they might have something to say about it. Uh, we'll discuss it. It's fun to do that. It's made these segments go really well, and we're going to keep her keep riding that wave. So we'll be back next week with episode 18. Till then, take care and be safe.